and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing U.S. small caps. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm joined today by Vincent Nichols, Investment Specialist for U.S. and Thematic Equities. Welcome, Vincent. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Daniel. Yes, thanks for having me. So, Vincent, on one hand, it should be easy, I would think, to make the case for U.S. small caps. I think we all know the investment theory, if you will, why small caps should outperform over the long run, be it illiquidity or or inefficiencies, lack of coverage, so on and so forth. Except, as I think we both know, sometimes reality doesn't always match up to the theory that we get taught in schools. Now, that said, if we look this year, how small caps have been doing, I guess it depends partly on what you're comparing them to. We're, I think, aware that for the large cap indices, S&P 500, say, that even though you've had positive returns this year, that that's been dependent on a, a relatively few number of stocks. And the broad index or an equal weighted index actually hasn't done all that great. And at least compared to that type of benchmark, uh, small caps have held up better. Now we think about what's been the market environment this year, certainly better than expected growth for the first part of the year, but over the last couple months, clearly it's been interest rates that have been the tail that's wagging the equity dog, if you will. So if we look at the rest of this year, how we think things might go in 2024, what type of catalysts are you looking for to give us some more small cap outperformance? Yeah, and small caps do, we have learned in school, it should tend to outperform over the, the long term for, for the reasons you stated. We actually haven't seen that for many years. So I think some investors may be coming skeptical to that argument. We are not. And I think what would really help propel small caps in the near term is actually something that we we saw last year that just hasn't materialized yet in 2023. And what happened last year was, as everyone knows, a major market sell-off. So we saw the Russell 2000 down about 20%, a little bit more for the calendar year. And here we are pretty much flat to down a little bit year to date. And as you mentioned, it's not just small caps, it's been mid caps, it's even been large caps when you look at them on an equal weighted basis. So despite what looks like a a nice market recovery this year, it's only really been concentrating a few stocks. Going back all the way to the inception of the Russell 2000 index, a common benchmark for small caps, which was incepted in 1984, there's been four instances of about 20% drawdowns or more, uh, one being last year, but also in 1990, 2002, and 2008. In each of these occurrences, we saw a multi-year recovery period from three to five years of anywhere between 20% annualized return to 27% annualized return in, in those recovery periods after those big drawdown events. And so generally speaking, that's a big driver of what may lead to uh, a strong recovery uh, for, for small caps. We haven't seen it year to date. Some of the reason for that perhaps might be what we're seeing in terms of the economy In each of those previous three major drawdowns, that was coincided with a recession. And we haven't seen that recession yet this year. And a lot of people were predicting it at the beginning of this year, but we didn't see it last year. We didn't see it this year. A lot of those predictions are being 
kick down the road a bit to 2024, but we'll see if that plays out. Well, you're right. That is going to be a, a key determinant how really all assets are going to perform next year, whether that recession comes through or not. I think the bullish case, if you will, and, and for what it's worth, it's the view of our own macroeconomic research team, is that you actually don't get a recession, that we do get this fabled soft landing. We get inflation moving back down towards the Fed's 2% target, but that happens with slower growth. Uh, that's got to be inevitable at this point, given what's happened with interest rates. But you don't necessarily have to have a recession for that to occur. And I think that environment isn't necessarily so terrible for equities and uh, not necessarily so terrible, I would think, for small cap equities. That said, we've had good growth this year. As you pointed out, we didn't get the recession that a lot of people feared, or at least not yet. What then, Vincent, do you think might drive a recovery in, in the months and the quarters ahead? Well, we are starting to see, as you mentioned, an acceleration uh, in economic growth, which has been the surprise to many. And just look at the economic surprise indices for indication of that. There is doubt that this is sustainable. Uh, I believe a lot of economists and investors believe that this monetary tightening cycle inevitably has to lead to a recession imminently. But Meanwhile, what we are seeing in underlying economic activity, we're seeing an extremely robust labor market. So job openings, while trending towards normalization, they're still at an extraordinarily high level. And when you compare that with what we see in terms of workforce participation, and particularly the prime age workforce participation, so this is people below uh, 55 years old, above 25 years old, that core of prime age workforce participation is at the highest rate in 20 years. So there's not enough prime age workers to fill all of these job openings. And what that's led to is persistently high wage growth. And this is a big concern for monetary policy. It's a big reason why this higher for longer narrative has set in, but it's very stimulative and supportive of the underlying macro. And because we've seen such high wage growth, this is fueling consumer activity. With consumption trends continuing to be resilient, we've gone from inorganic government stimulus driving economic growth towards organic income growth fueling consumption trends. And the, that potential has been underappreciated by the market. A lot of people have just focused on the ending of stimulus being a major difficulty and an insurmountable one in the eyes of many. Accumulated savings, they have not been fully exhausted. A lot of people thought that was going to happen earlier than it has. And what's funding this now is nominal income growth. We're at the point where that this really strong wage growth is exceeding inflation. Inflation has cooled down below the rate of wage growth. And so we're seeing real income growth from uh, consumers, which has helped fueling the resilience of, of the consumer. Uh, high interest rates are unlikely to impact these individual consumers. They're even a tailwind for the elder generation that has more investments in short-term savings and fixed income savings. And while you're not going to have as much consumer loans, it's more difficult to purchase a home. This is not a major headwind for the consumer. What's really going to potentially lead to a recession is going to be higher interest rates impeding corporate growth. And corporations are then going to be less inclined to pay their employees and hire more employees. And then that will eventually flow into the labor market. But that could really take some time to play out. And given where we are from the position of really strong labor 
activity that could be longer than people are foreseeing. In addition, we're seeing a number of cycles that are bottoming currently and are underappreciated from those predicting a recession next year. For one, uh, we're seeing inventory accumulation being unwound. During the pandemic, there was a massive demand driver. At the same time, we had issues with supply and the supply chains. As the supply chains freed up, that coincided with consumer demand cooling, and we saw this massive accumulation of inventories. But for the first time in a long time, new orders are rising while inventories are falling. So that cycle is starting to turn. IT spending is actually expected to accelerate next year and across all major categories. Uh, and looking at data from Gartner, they're expecting 8% growth in IT spending next year. And that's even for devices, which have been in decline for the last two years. And this is similar to what we were talking about with the inventory trends, where it was a very hot industry for a couple of years. And then as things cooled, we saw a big drawdown and that's expected to inflect next year going full cycle. Cost optimization in cloud adoption, that seems to be nearing an end. So the hyperscalers, the commentary we're hearing from those executives looks to be increasingly more bullish for a reacceleration in cloud adoption. And I think most importantly is the earnings cycle. So for the first time in several quarters, it's looking like we might see a resumption in earnings growth and not just less bad than feared earnings and potentially actually positive earnings growth. And earnings expectations have been steadily increasing for a number of quarters here now. Vincent, you mentioned investment in your response just a moment ago. I think one of the other positive surprises we've had this year has, broadly speaking, been the increase in business investment, which had been pretty lackluster in the previous quarters. Clearly, one big catalyst for that was the Inflation Reduction Act, which has had the intended effect of getting businesses to invest more, uh, certainly in those areas where they get the tax benefits and other advantages. Could you talk a bit or elaborate a bit more on why you think for small caps, we could see a particularly robust CapEx cycle? Yeah, I think legislation is definitely a big part of that, as you mentioned, Daniel, with the Inflation Reduction Act, the Chips and Science Act, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. All of these pieces of legislation are allocating a massive amount of spending to infrastructure investment, to CapEx. And this is going to be a major stimulus for the next several years. And this is paired quite nicely with more than decades-long reduction or underinvestment in manufacturing capacity. So this has really been stagnant for really more than a decade now, maybe a decade and a half, and in some cases in decline. And what's driven that has really been that the offshoring trend. Uh, so for nearly two decades, companies have been looking to offshore their production lines with cheaper labor abroad. This all came back into focus during the pandemic where we saw supply chains tighten up as we continue to see geopolitics percolate with tensions between countries like the U.S. and China. So for all of these reasons, there's been a refocus on reshoring supply chains. And when you pair that with the infrastructure spending, this is going to be a massive tailwind to CapEx, a massive tailwind for infrastructure spending, and a massive tailwind for the economy. And Really, the old world economy, this industrial CapEx investment, 
this is a major catalyst for small caps, which have you know a higher weighting in industrials. They're more economically sensitive, more cyclically oriented. So as this all plays out, it's going to be a significant factor for small caps and their potential outperformance. If I could summarize a couple of the key points that you shared with us, Vincent, you pointed out that over the last couple of decades, the periods where you really have seen the best relative performance of small caps was after you've had a big drawdown like we had in 2022. So it would suggest we are at least potentially in a period where we see, relatively speaking, much better performance for small caps. You acknowledge, however, of course, there still is always a risk of a recession, uh, most likely as a function of the high interest rates we're seeing. So it is kind of a question of how high rates stay for how long. Nonetheless, you are looking for an acceleration of earnings growth as opposed to just a slower trend uh, of declines that we had seen. And one of the key reasons for that is a consequence of an increase in business investment, partly a result of the Inflation Reduction Act. And it's certainly very important to point out that not only was the intent of this legislation to increase investment, but it was to increase investment in the U.S. And so small caps, you would imagine, should disproportionately benefit from that. Well, Vincent, thank you very much for joining me. Yes, Daniel, thank you very much for having me. That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. We recommend subscribing to Talking Heads on your favorite podcast channel. You'll receive your podcast episodes every Monday afternoon. If you like Talking Heads, leave us a positive review and a nice rating. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris, and Vincent Nichols. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.